0: This is the Impossible Things podcast, April review episode. I'm Jesse. Uh, In April, we discussed three topics. Uh, EMP was one, Batman part one was the next, and week three was Bigfoot. You heard last week, Jimmy and Kyle did a bang up job discussing Bigfoot without me. Good job. Um, We also had an email uh, some time ago for an episode that we recorded even longer ago. Well, I guess we got... I guess we got the email earlier. I didn't know about it until recently uh, because I don't check the email. Kyle does, and he told me about it. So here's the emails from Lindy, our our friend and listener. Um, It's about the Secret Societies episode. I will, I'll just read you, I'll read you the email. It's very, it's much more well-worded in the email that she writes than uh, what I could summarize. She says, In the Secret Societies episode, at 20 minutes, Kyle says something that resounded with my thoughts on religion. The idea that people want to believe so that they can feel someone else is in control and release the burden of guilt for things that happen. This is how I view religion. It's a scapegoat for a lot of people. People believe that God will provide and protect just as those quote crazy people you say that are into these conspiracy theories believe that these groups will slash should provide and protect society i would be curious to hear your thoughts on how belief in religion is so different from belief in secret societies and why religious people aren't crazy compared to these secret society believers and go um thanks for the email i think kyle responded uh, in via email directly to you lindy but uh here's a few thoughts that i had written down uh, some people absolutely do treat religion as a secret society. Um, as far as the statement Kyle made, he can back up his own viewpoint, but uh, my view is the people who believe in secret societies, they don't generally tend to believe that they, the secret societies are benevolent. Uh, they're mainly distrustful of groups who want to keep their identities unknown and their deeds unclaimed. Um this is where, for me, religion and secret societies diverge, uh, where a secret society tries to be secretive about its, about who is a member and what the members are doing. Uh, religion, I, th- I think, in the most ideal sense, is open about both of those. But to get to your question, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's basically, isn't it just as crazy to believe in religion as it is to believe in secret societies on our podcast, we have made an effort to stay away from religion and politics generally uh, we've stayed a little farther from religion than we have from politics every once in a while something political creeps in for that reason i'm a little bit disinclined to answer the question i also have a, a per- personal bias on the matter as i would guess lindy does as well um This may infuriate some people, but I'm going to sidestep the question, but I will say that it has been my experience that a person's view of religion is based mostly on their own interactions with that religion. If the interaction was negative, then the individual's view is usually negative too. I heard an interview recently with an author, um, who is an atheist and who writes and teaches on this subject of atheism? He noted that most people are atheists. Who most people who are atheists are reacting to a certain sect or denomination. Uh, for example, you could have a non-Catholic atheist or a non-Baptist atheist, um, and you know, other, lots of others. So I think the fact that religion came up so quickly as a comparison, instead of like say aliens or the government is a clue that there may be some personal history there informing this question. The topic of religion is so incredibly subjective that it's difficult to gather complete, unbiased information about it. So that's partly why we've avoided it in the podcast and why I will choose to avoid it here other than to say what I've already said. Um, EMP, let's get through the episodes that we did this week, this month in April. Uh, we did EMP. We covered that. What's the electromagnetic pulse? Uh, we covered the likelihood of a device causing elect- an electromagnetic pulse powerful enough to cause widespread electrical blackout. Uh, there was a lot of really good comments on Facebook, mostly made by Greg after the fact. Uh, so if you want to read those, uh, they are definitely worth a read. You can go to the episode post. Uh, for the episode EMP, and uh, check out those comments. Uh, a couple that, a couple questions had come up for us in the episode, and Greg answered some of our questions. Uh, one was uh, about watches and whether watches are safe from an EMP, and it seems that uh, they are because the transmission lines are so short, and you need a lot of. Let's see. Let's see what he said. Actually. He says, the longer the line of uniform field, the greater in the induced current. That's why your watch is mostly safe. Um, that was something that we discussed briefly, and it seems that we were correct about that. Uh, we wondered what BSEE meant. One of our sources had put BSEE after his name, and uh, Greg confirmed that that does indeed mean Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering as I think Kyle had uh, speculated. So we were right about that. And it also happens to be the degree that Greg himself has. So that was fun to learn. Uh, Also, Greg uh, covered the nuclear event that we discussed. Uh, uh, Mostly mostly the things that power companies are concerned about, it seems, are naturally occurring electromagnetic pulse type of events caused by lightning or other natural phenomenon, a solar flare, for example. Uh, but part of what we had been researching was uh, the EMP due to a nuclear detonation at a high level. And Greg confirmed for us that it would have to be a series of detonations uh, with a compounding effect and the detonation would have to happen way, way up, almost in space. Uh, way in the, up in the, what they call the ionosphere, which is almost in space. Um, so that was very informative. Thank you, Greg, again for your help and comments. Always welcome. Then we had Batman. Batman I did on my own because the guys were not available. Uh, we're going to cover more of Batman in the future, like we, like I discussed on the episode. Uh, this one, this episode I did uh, just focused on the vigilante aspect of Batman and whether he is justified to do what he does, you know, outside, acting outside the law as he does. Most people who commented or who I talked to about this seem to disagree with me and assert that Batman is fully justified to do what he does, act outside the law and take matters into his own hands. So uh, that's good, you're all a bunch of anarchists, but that's fine, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, Moving on then, uh, to Bigfoot. I thought the guys did a really good job on Bigfoot, but I will offer this one bit of criticism. I had gathered for them a good deal of evidence in favor of Bigfoot and hardly any against. Uh, It seems I was able to convince them that Bigfoot is real. Uh, the question of Bigfoot, the burden of proof, lies with the person who says it's true. The fact that I gave them more information on the one side was not intended to reveal my opinion, but was, as was theorized, as Kyle, I think, theorized in the episode. But it was more an attempt on my part to balance the scales. Uh, see, I think that the burden of proof lies with those... I th- maybe I already said that. Anyway burden of proof lies with those who claim Bigfoot is real. If you're on the other side, um, just say, prove it, and that's that. You don't really need to say, you don't really need to offer any proof that he's not, because it's, it's self-evident, and it's really hard to offer proof in the negative anyway. So if Bigfoot is real, those who claim it slash he is real uh, need to prove it first. There were a couple of things though in the episode that I wanted to uh, comment on uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the ways you can argue against Bigfoot ex- Bigfoot's existence is to say uh, wouldn't there be evidence um, they found people have found footprints but what I'm thinking of is more along the lines of a nest uh, a lot of ape, apes build nests, gorillas and orangutans Build nests in trees, and wouldn't we see some evidence of that in the areas that Bigfoot is thought to reside? Um, and well, in, in researching that, I, I refute my own findings, my own criticisms, because most apes live in trees, and that while they do make nests in trees, uh, I, I doubt whether when we're looking for a Bigfoot, we're looking for a nest in a tree. It seems I wouldn't have thought of it until researching this this way, so I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody out there has already thought to look for that and has found nothing, but who knows? Who knows? Orangutans um, live almost primarily in trees, which, I mean, if Bigfoot lives in a tree and doesn't come down very often, that could be why we never hardly ever see them. Uh, they're also... They're also almost almost all apes are herbivores so they just eat plants and leaves nuts and berries and fruits so i mean we wouldn't necessarily see the evidence of bigfoot having hunted or killed any animals which i think is something that people expect to see so maybe maybe like an orangutan he just lives in the top of trees and eats tree leaves and foliage that grow up there and uh, hardly labor comes down interesting interesting thoughts but the guys The guys kind of skimmed over Gigantopithecus and the Jungle Book article. I guess they couldn't open it, but uh, so I'll cover a little bit of it here. The article that I'd found was talking about how the writers of the Jungle Book movie, the Disney movie that's coming out soon, or maybe it's already out. I don't know, but they wanted all the characters and animals in it to be native to India where the story is set. The only problem was there's an orangutan in the Disney version, the cartoon version, and in um, in the new version, the live action version, they didn't want to have any non-native species uh, represented there. So they they worked around that by making the King Louie character uh, into Gigantopithecus, which is was uh, yeah was native to india and the surrounding region as far um, as far east as vietnam uh, but this was over a hundred thousand years ago that gigantopithecus would have been alive there so prehistoric prehistoric large ape but it was nine feet tall some people think that bigfoot could be gigantopithecus just not extinct like we thought uh interesting but i doubt i kind of doubt that one on the other hand uh, what else could it be? Uh, Bigfoot is also reported to be smaller than nine feet, like Gigantopithecus was. But uh, as the guys I think noted in the episode, sometimes being big doesn't always isn't always an evolutionary advantage. So maybe over the years, Gigantopithecus has shrunk to the seven to eight feet that uh, is generally reported to be Bigfoot's height. Uh, Jimmy mentioned dragons in the episode, and I think. Uh, that dragons is on the list for us to cover in the future. Uh, I don't think we have it scheduled at the moment, but uh, maybe early season two or season we're in, we're in three now. So before I guess season four, once Jimmy rejoins us, I think it'd be valuable to have his input on the topic of dragons. And it's something that's fascinated me a long time. So it'd be, it'll be really fun to dig into that. Uh, The guys The guys talked a little bit about the dermal scars in the footprints, footprint samples that were collected that are claimed to be Bigfoot. Um, Basically, the the scar patterns were shown to be extremely detailed at the microscopic level, uh, consistent with an animal, creature, human type of being that would live in the terrain where the, the footprints were collected so the the upshot of that is that too detailed to be a hoax too accurate too accurately portrayed to be a hoax you know going down to the microscopic level a little more detailed than we generally think of hoaxers as being but i guess it's not outside the realm of possibility um so with that being said here's a quick rundown of next month's topics they are some heavy ones so buckle in fasten your seatbelts. Uh, we got extincting disease, and that'll be the first week. We'll talk about whether it's possible to completely get rid of disease or diseases. Maybe all disease is too broad a topic, but maybe we can focus in on one or two that we like to see extincted. Uh, the next week will be the end of antibiotics. Uh, this is something that is generally believed to be happening uh, the antibiotics will will cease to be effectual at some point. Um, so we'll cover that in detail. And the next week will be ADD slash ADHD. I, I think a lot of people have pretty strong opinions about this, so this may be more of a, an opinion piece, but we'll hopefully we'll gather some concrete evidence and uh, have some good information for you. So uh, keep keep the comments coming. Uh, it was. We had some great interaction this month on some really good episodes. Um, the best work yet, I think. This was. This has been good. We've been good. Kyle's been traveling, and that's been tough, but thanks to hard work from all of us associated with the podcast, we've been able to keep uh, consistent posts coming, so that's very important to us to keep something coming out every week. Uh, something you could help us with as listeners would be to uh, uh, comment or share our posts on Facebook. Facebook seems to be where we've uh, concentrated our our presence online. Uh, Twitter isn't, isn't getting a lot of traffic, or Instagram doesn't seem to be getting a lot of traffic. So, just kind of worked out that Facebook is where most of the stuff's happening for us. That's that's happening. Most of the things that are happening are happening there. Um, that's fine. That's perfectly all right. But. There's a a thing on Facebook where the posts don't get the posts that our podcast page makes don't necessarily get posted to everybody's news feed. So when we when we make a post from impossible things podcast, uh, we generally see about five people see it. Uh, So that's not very many. So what we've been trying to do is on our personal pages, uh, comment or share the impossible things podcast post. And that's how we've been getting more interaction out there. So if you see one of our posts, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing it or leaving a comment, that would help your friends see it and hopefully drum up some more listenership or interaction online for us. And that is always beneficial and helpful and wanted. Um, thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week with Extincting Disease. Goodbye. <laughs>